God puts people in our path for a reason. He, he gives, us, gives us an opportunity for them to teach us, and in turn, maybe we teach them, but, but there's times that, that we got a tendency to look past that, get too busy with the world. I'm, I'm going to bring up a few scripture verses. Like I said, I had to change things up as we're out there, and those songs were hidden. Marty, I think you did an incredible job, as always, brother. I love listening to you sing. But uh, as we're singing one of those last songs, I, I really felt that there, that there was a story that I've talked with Katie about the other night that God brought something out in it to me that I'd never noticed before. And I'm going to share that with you tonight. And I hope that that will in turn tie into the message. As long as God's word is being preached, God has a tendency to be able to tie stuff together. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to start off with, with a story here. Um, I talked with Pastor a little bit before. Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn there, it'll be Luke, the 10th chapter. We're going to read verses 30, uh, 38 through 42. I shared with Pastor, I, I was listening to a, to a pastor speak this week, and he, uh, he made a, a statement that a lot of times when, when you're uh, called to give a word, sometimes it is specific for, for an individual. Other times it is more of a blanket uh, message. You know, and a lot of times as pastor, and I know, that, I know the pastor has that same way, there's sometimes when you know that it is a person specific, you may not know exactly who it is meant for, but you know it is a person specific message uh, intended. God, God has intended that for somebody specific. You don't know who it is, you just know that it is specific. Other times it is more of a blanket message. I feel that God has got a, got a two-part message here tonight, and like I said, he, he'll bring it together even if me and my flesh can't do it, he will. And uh, the first part of it, I, I believe, is more of a blanket message, and it is the story of Mary and Martha. The second part of it is, uh, I think it is more specific. I don't know for sure who it is intended for, maybe multiple people, but uh, I pray that God moves in the way that, that I believe he is wanting to move tonight. Um, as we pick up here in Luke, uh, the 10th chapter, We've already witnessed several miracles that Jesus has, has accomplished. He has fed 5,000. He has healed the sick. He has brought, uh, brought multiple people back from the dead. He has done, a, done very many, many miracles, and he has also cast demons out of Mary. So, so he has been this. He has sent out the 12 disciples. He has sent out the 70 disciples to cast out demons, to heal the sick. He, he, has, done, he has been on the move. So as Jesus is traveling at this point, it is no longer just Jesus and a couple of the disciples. He's got, he's got a big group traveling with him now. It has expanded. His, uh, the number of people that are traveling with him has expanded and expounded. So we pick up here. I'm going to read through, and then we'll just break down a little bit of the scripture here and uh, see where God takes us. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, in... in we had Brooklyn's birthday party yesterday. We had a total of 30 people there. It was a success. And, and with Martha having to uh, prepare for 
a big group to be there, I can somewhat relate with Martha. And, and as we were deciding, and we let Brooklyn kind of make the call on what we're going to be serving, it seems like anytime we have a family get-together, I spend the first half of that cooking over a grill. Well, the, yesterday I took the easy way out. We did hot dogs and sloppy joes. So I got a chance to, so I wasn't so busy, so distracted as Martha was in this story. The same thing. I can relate to her in, in that uh, instance. But as it says there in verse 38, Martha welcomed him. Martha invited Jesus into her home. That, that is the same way that we do when we accepted Jesus as our Savior. We invite him in as a guest to be with us. We invite him into our home. We invite him into our, to, to live within us, to send his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And he welcomed him in there. And then you see that uh, verse 39 reads, Mary sat in, at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I just want to stop there and think about this. You know, I think that we, we've been beyond blessed to have pastors speak getting to hear him speak the word of God. Yeah, you know, I, I've got CDs of his dad getting to hear his dad speak the word of God. Randy Gasky getting to him hear, hear him speak the word of God. Been very blessed to hear a lot of different people with a lot of different ways of speaking and preaching the word of God. But here we have Jesus giving the word. We don't have a man translating it. No offense to pastor, but pastor versus Jesus, I know whose feet I'm going to be sitting at. But you've got Jesus giving the word there. You know, and Mary is, is settled herself where it should be, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. Where, where else would you rather be than the, the foot of the Savior? Listen to what he has to say. But Martha ends up doing what, I, what a lot of, what we do a lot of times, I have a tendency to think, is we'll get ourselves distracted by all these other things that we think are important, all these other things that we think that can take us away from where, where Jesus truly wants us to be. You know, and not all things that, uh, that distract us away from that are bad. Pastor has talked about the book that, uh, by John Bevere, Good or God. You know, I think that holds true. Everything that distracts, it, it isn't saying that it is a bad thing. There's a lot of very good things that can take you away and distract you. You know, you, you see Martha here, she knew Jesus was given the word. She approached him, and he was given the word, and, and she's in and out. Basically, you know, she's, she's in and out of the kitchen, preparing for, you know, we know at least 13 people with Jesus and the 12 disciples, but I would tend to, tend to say that there was a much bigger crowd than that that was now Martha was having to prepare for. She was distracted. She, she had herself so worried and so bothered with doing that she never got a chance to sit there and just take in what Jesus had to say. Um, it, it's an easy thing for us to do as Christians. I mean, it, like I said, it's not always bad. You know, and a lot of times we try to judge how good we're doing or what we're doing in Christ based off how much we're doing. You know, well, you know, I go to Sunday school, I go to Wednesday nights, I go to Sunday night service, I go to Sunday morning service. You know, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. And sometimes Jesus is telling us just to sit at his feet and just listen to him. Sit at his feet. Trust me, I am not discouraging away, away from doing the stuff of the church because you are going to be able to, to form those relationships with Jesus better here. But don't ever think that just because you're doing those things, it is putting you where you need to be, and that is at the foot of the Savior. Um, 
as we, uh, as we read here. Now this, this, uh, this statement here, if you, if you just get through part of it, it should really just cut to, uh, you know, you think about this statement being said to Jesus, it should really just, it cuts to my heart. Lord, do you not care? If you just stop right there. You've got Martha, Lord, do you not care? She continues on to say that my sister is not, not helping me, basically, as I'm doing all this stuff. Lord, do you not care? You're talking to, to Jesus who went to the cross, who, who knew what he was going to be facing, who knew what he was going to have to deal with. Do you not care? I mean, can you imagine asking the Savior, knowing what he was going to have to go do, where, what he was going to go do for us? Do you not care? I've caught myself, you know, and I hate to admit it, but there's times where it's just, are you serious, God? Why? 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 Do you not care? Do you not see this? And it is, it is such an insulting, insulting statement and question to make to God. And as Jesus sat there and being, being asked that, I'd like to think that it probably just, you know, you, you see his response. Martha, Martha. You know, he could have just tore into her and said, are you kidding me? Do I not care about this? You have no idea, Martha, what I'm about to go do for you. You have no idea what I am doing for you. And you ask me if I do not care. You know, you're so worried about what you are doing. You're so focused on what you are doing and what somebody else is not doing that you don't realize that the living word, the light of the world is sitting before you. You're so distracted focusing on what somebody else isn't doing that you've lost track of who is sitting here before you, whose feet you should be sitting at. And, and I like to, like to think that Mary with, you know, Jesus said she has chosen the good part and it will not be taken away from her. Mary had, you know, like I said, she had had, had demons cast out of her. Mary wasn't going to give, give that up. She wasn't going to go back on that. She was going to sit at the feet of Jesus regardless. There was nothing more important in the world to her at that time than sitting there listening to this word that the Savior had to say. You know, it, it is, there's nothing wrong with entertaining your, your family. There's nothing wrong with, with doing any of that stuff. But at the same point, when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to get, furthering your relationship with Jesus, Sometimes you just got to sit there and talk to him and let him talk to you. You know, I, I could write a book about my life and everybody in here could read it. You get done reading that book. You don't, still don't know me. You know about me. But until you spend time in conversation with me, until you spend time in prayer with me, not with me, Lord forgive me, but, uh, <laughs> but until, same thing with Jesus. You can read the Bible and know the ins and outs of the Bible, and you are going to get to know who Jesus is, why he is, who he said he was, how he came, why he came, what he did. You're going to learn all about it, but until you sit and you spend time sitting at his feet, down, at, down on your knees, praying to him, letting him talk to you, and you talking to him and getting to know him, you're, you're never going to fully get and further that relationship with Jesus as he wants it to be. You're, you're not going to get to know him as well as he wants you to know him, and he isn't going to get you to know, to know you as well as he wants to know you if you are just spending your time just reading about him. You need to spend the time praying to him. And you see in verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 1, 
Jesus goes. You know, obviously, as, at the time the Bible was written, when the, when, the, when the book of Luke was written, there were no chapters and, uh, and verses, so it was all a continuation. So you, if you continue on after this, now came to, came to pass as he was praying. You see where Jesus went. Jesus even knew. He was with the Father. He was of the Father. He was, you know, he was God himself. But where did he go? He still went and spent time with God the Father. He still went and spent time in prayer with the Father. It, it was, he wasn't just going to say it, you know, and we brought it up in Sunday school today. You let, we need to be more doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Jesus is never going to ask us to do something that he didn't do himself. He's never going to do something in that, or ask us to do something that he wouldn't do. You know, and that, uh, why I bring that up with my mother-in-law, I think I can make it through now, is sometimes with the, the, the example that was being set. You know, here you've got, unbeknownst to her, Mary is setting an example for her sister Martha. You know, some people have preached it, that Martha lived in a fancy house and she had all kinds of money. I don't necessarily know if that is true. There's nothing in the scripture that, that would back that up. But I do know that for, it was Martha's house. I do know just from the scripture it was Martha's house. So it was not Martha and Mary's. It was Martha's house. So basically Martha is the head of that household. And here is Mary, her sister, who she feels she should be doing what she wants her to do. And Mary is the one setting the example of what needs to be done. But, and, and then let's take this one step further. Jesus is, is sitting there and he is treated as a guest. He is invited in as a guest. You know, I know just from our experience uh, yesterday as I was talking with, uh, about Brooklyn's birthday party, there's limitations on guests. You invite somebody into a guest, as a guest into your house, you set limits of what rooms you want them to go in, how far you want them to go in, what, what places you want them to go into your house, how deep they, you want them to go into your house. Jesus doesn't want to be a guest. You invited him in as a guest. Now he wants to be a ma the master of your house. He wants to be the master of the household. He wants to be the head of the household in every room, in every aspect, and as he is inside of you. He doesn't want you to say, well, you know what, Jesus, I'll let you in, and you can be a guest. I, I really love it that you're with me on my way to work as I'm listening to Christian music. But once I get to work, you know, you can just check out. You can check out, and, and I will take care of my stuff at work. I don't want you to cross over into that. He doesn't want that. He wants to be the head of that. As you go to, as you go to with, with your family, he doesn't want it to be, well, you know what, Jesus, I'm with my church family. I'm good. You know, I love you being there with me. But now that I'm with my family at home, you know, let's just shut it down. Let's turn it down a notch. He doesn't want to be there. He wants to be the head of every part of your life, every area of, of your household, of your body. He wants to be over. He wants to be master of every aspect of your life. He doesn't want you to, to leave him out of anything. Once you invite him in, he wants, he wants to be the dictator, if you will, of, not, not a dictator, Jesus don't want to be a dictator, but he wants to be the one that is over every aspect of your life. He doesn't want you to leave him out, pick and choose where you will have him in. The... Uh, Next scripture verse that, uh, this is the one that kind of got thrown in there. So I'm going to turn it to God to tie these together, and I believe he will. Um, it is chapter 40. If we, if we think about the example that Mary was set, that's why I was going with, with my mother-in-law before I went off on that little bit of a rabbit trail there, is 
the example that was set for my wife as she was coming up, for, set for Katie as she was coming up of going to church in turn, Katie sets that example towards me and says, well, I want to bring Brooklyn up in a church. And so we start attending church here and fast forward nine years and my little girl's up here singing. The example was set and it trickled down. So, so don't downplay the example that you're setting and you may not choose, you may not want to be the example, but you're having, people are watching you. They're paying attention to what you're doing. It may be your mom, maybe your dad, maybe your brother, sister, son, daughter, but there are people that are watching you that are paying attention and they're seeing what you are doing and they're seeing if you're gonna stick, stick to what you are, where, where you are at and where you are going right now. Um, the next uh, scripture verse that, uh, that I want to go to is Luke chapter 8. We're going to read verses 40 through 56. That's a pretty long, uh, long stretch. Uh, this is one that pastor has preached a message on. It, is, uh, it starts with the, the issue of the, the woman with blood, with the blood issue. We'll start off in uh, verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. You see where he goes. Same place that Mary went, to the feet of Jesus. For he had, only, he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman, woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touch me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Now this story, the main focus of this story, obviously there towards the end is the, uh, you know, the, the little girl being restored to life. Now where Pastor had, uh, had preached this story one of the first times he was here, and it's always stuck with me. He talks about the woman with the issue of blood. The, the, the crowd was around. It was a huge crowd around Jesus. And, and he likened it to that she may have had to crawl to get to Jesus to touch a garment of, her, of his, of his uh, robe and she had to go through anything, kicked in the face. I mean, the, 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 the picture that he set as he, was, as he was setting that example has always stuck with me, and I believe it always will. 
of, of a woman so determined to get to Jesus at all cost, to get to his feet, to get to his garment, to touch that at all cost, no matter what, he had to go, what, it, what she had to go through, no matter what ridicule, what dirt she had to climb through, what filth she had to go through, what abuse she had to take on the way there, she was determined to get there. And, and when she made it there, she was healed. Now, I don't think there's any coincidence. I believe that this was set up by, by the Almighty to show faith to Jairus. The, the woman had the issue of blood for 12 years. His daughter of 12 years was sick. And as this woman is crawling and fighting to get to the hymn of Jesus, knowing she doesn't know who's paying attention. This woman has no idea who's watching her. She doesn't know the example she is setting. As she crawls and she fights and she gets to the, the hem of the garment of Jesus, she fights and she receives her healing. And I believe that it was that healing that she saw take place from that, from that woman. When Jairus saw that, that's what gave him the faith that his daughter was going to be okay when Jesus came to the house. It was, it no longer, it was the example of this woman crawling to get there that said to him, I've seen him do a miraculous thing in front of me. He healed this woman that had this issue for 12 years. There's no reason why he isn't going to be heal, able to heal my daughter uh, of 12 years. And that is how God set that up to be able to, to testify to the healing power of Jesus. And so he could see that the example here that is set by this, by this woman that was willing to get, fight through anything she had to to get to the feet of Jesus. The next example, I don't even have, I'll be honest, I don't, I know it's, it's Exodus, it's uh, chapter 7 through 12, and uh, this one is, the example is, is Moses. At this time we see, um, we see Moses uh, going before Pharaoh, and he's setting an example of going to him, and he is declaring to Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may serve the Lord. He, he's, he goes there and Pharaoh each and every time tries to make a deal. Well, four separate times, he tries to make a deal with, uh, with Moses. He says, okay, a after the plagues start coming, I mean, it, uh, the frogs come, the locusts come. I, I don't know right offhand what order it is and I apologize for that. I encourage you to read it because it just shows you, you know, God's awesomeness. But, uh, as he, as he is going, he is going, and every time Moses just comes with those, just those few words, let my people go. He repeats what God says, let my people go so that they may serve me. Thus saith the Lord, let my people go so they, must, so they can serve me. And as he is going, Pharaoh tries to make deals with him. Okay, well, you can go. The men can go. You, first off, he starts with you can sac go out, you can sacrifice, but nobody can leave. Moses says, no deal. Let all my people go, and uh, the, for thus saith the Lord, let all my people go. So then he continues. He comes back after another couple of the plagues. Let my people go so they can serve the Lord. And Pharaoh tries to make another deal with him. Okay, well, just the men and the children can go. Moses tells him, no deal. This whole time he is setting an example uh, I mean, not only for, for 
the people of God, the children of Israel, but for his brother that's there with him. He's, he's setting the, an example there. And he goes, and finally, after the last plague where the, uh, the Passover comes and the firstborn of each of the uh, Egyptians is killed, he finally lets him go. But Moses stuck to his convictions there of saying, everybody goes. There's no deal. He wasn't going to deal, make a deal. Satan tries to get us to compromise. Satan tries to get us to, uh, to make a deal. Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll give you this much, God, but I'm going to hold this back from you. Just as I was saying earlier, Jesus wants to be master of it all. He wants to be master of the whole house, of our whole temple. He wants to be master of, the, of everything that we have. He wants to be ruler and master over and in and of. And Satan is going to try to make deals with us to get us to go back on that. Um, is there, does it, I'm sure 